Welcome to another episode of Lawyer Zen Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Barnes. I am a practicing attorney in Tampa, Florida, and I'm also the owner of Legal Flow Consulting. Um, as I've mentioned before, if you want to get in touch with me or you want to learn more about Legal Flow Consulting or any of the topics that we talk about, um, you are welcome to visit my website. It's www.legalflowconsulting.com or email me at patrick at legalflowconsulting.com. I would love to chat with you and keep the conversation going because that's really why I started this in the first place is to start this conversation about lawyer mental health and new technology and ways to improve um, our profession. So today we're talking about what happens when it's time to get out. And we're going to be talking about that with Megan Smiley. She is a life and business coach. She's also an attorney. And Megan's going to tell us all about her journey from being an attorney to realizing it just wasn't for her and how she got to be a coach that helps other lawyers and legal professionals and other professionals as well change career paths. I, I have had the privilege of speaking with Megan before this podcast. We, we connected on LinkedIn, and uh, I've chatted with her about you know, what exactly she does and, and how that works, and uh, she's, she is really awesome at it. And so um, I, I had a great time chatting with her during this podcast. I think you will really enjoy uh, listening to it. We talked about attorney burnout and stress and leaving the field. We talked about some interesting statistics about how high uh, lawyer turnover rates are, and um, also about what her coaching experience is like. So, you know, if you were to go forward with her, what would that look like? And and um, and and talked about um, that that process. So, great conversation. If you are a legal professional or an attorney who's thinking that it might be time to get out of the field, I highly highly recommend reaching out to Megan. Her contact information is in the podcast, but I also will link to it. Or if you just want to reach out to me, I'm happy to get you in touch with her. Um, she is really fantastic at what she does. So let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, what happens when it's time to get out with Megan Smiley. Enjoy. Well, thanks for joining us for episode three of the Legal Flow podcast. I'm here with Megan Smiley, and she is uh, very accomplished. She is a lawyer, um, or as you put it, um, a recovering lawyer, yeah. and a life and business coach, um, and with a kind of an emphasis on helping people who are lawyers maybe find a different path. So Megan, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So I want to get into like your, your background and kind of your legal journey and then the journey you took after that. But before we do kind of just catch us up to speed on like what, what kind of current projects you have going right now. Um, yeah. so, that, so that if somebody you know doesn't catch the whole episode, they know they can go find you and how they can. And look yeah. Good. Yeah, sure. So sort of my, my primary thing is I work one-on-one -on -one coaching lawyers, other professionals, but it's really pretty much all lawyers um, who are, at the point where they know they're done with practice and they're trying to figure out what their next steps are. And I really help them sort of take a 30,000 foot view of who they are, what they want and how to transition into something new. And I sort of have a subspecialty in entrepreneurship. Um, so it's, you know, I think we get so locked into our mindsets as lawyers that we sometimes can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> and so, you know, the work is to really, what do you actually want? You know, right. if you take away all the, the shoulds and the path that has been laid in front of you, what do you really want? Absolutely. How can you get out of your own way? And what are the steps you need to take to get there? Yeah. Yeah. And so this podcast um, kind of is a, I call it like a snowball of just a conversation I had. Um, and, and I talked with my dad actually in the first episode about compassion fatigue. And I was feeling really burnt out. Mm -hmm. I was feeling really disillusioned and wanting to get out of the practice, um, thinking I just maybe I'm not a good lawyer, not cut out for it. And we kind of started to build on it. And so this podcast is is beyond the compassion fatigue burnout, although it's it's a huge you know element of it. But it's basically more just about mental health of lawyers and legal yeah. professionals. And that doesn't mean just lawyers, the paralegals, receptionists, everybody that interacts in the legal profession. Yeah. Um, 
And so my goal is to basically just get different subsections and topics from, from people, experts that yeah. can kind of shed light on the big kind of the global mosaic of like the lawyer mental health. Yeah. Um, so I, I've talked with you before um, about, about co you know, co your coaching and getting people maybe out of the profession if they feel like that's what they need to do. So I feel like this is really important is like, hey, let's try to figure out if you want to stay in the profession, but you want to feel better. Figure right, that right. Time to go. Like, yeah. what does that look like, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good distinction because, you know, leaving practice isn't the right answer for everybody. Um, I think, and there are a lot of people doing really good work. This podcast being an example of that, of really highlighting the structural challenges that are making the practice of law something that people feel the need to flee. Yep. Um, and so, you know, how can you manage yourself within that situation, but also, you know, put pressure on the powers that be, because I, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> I feel like there should be more being done at the structural level and at the power level, because you can manage your own, you can manage yourself and, and certainly sort of make it better. But ultimately, there are some fundamental structural things that make the practice of law really difficult for a lot of people. And I, you know, there are people out there doing that good work. I'm just on the side of, I happen to be more working with people who, it's not just the environment they don't like, it's a lot of people get into law and realize, I don't actually like doing law, you know? <laughs> and no. that's, you it's know, that's a whole TV. journey of, of letting go of. Yeah, it's not TV, you know, no, it's not no. um, law and order. Right. <laughs> so, so you're you're coaching. You have a podcast. Um, I, I love do. the title of it. It's called the Lawyers <laughs> Escape Pod. It's a bit, which is also a play on podcast. It's basically yeah. the title for a podcast. <laughs> I've got to. I have to give my husband a little credit on that because when I was coming up with it, he yeah, that was his his gem. I was like, that's great. I'm going with it. <laughs> it's an amazing title. And then yeah. you're you're speaking at a women in law convention. I am in uh, early May. I'll be speaking at a women in law retreat in uh, Texas. It's, you know, it's, it's not about work or <laughs> networking per se. It's really about recharging and taking care of ourselves as lawyers, sort of to make sure that we are resourced and sort of able to keep, keep doing the work. <laughs> awesome. And, and yeah. that's digital. So you'll be able to, if you wanted, if, you know, a listener wanted to go, they should be able to do that, I believe, right? Um, so you it's live. I, I am presenting virtually, but it's okay. it's actually a whole thing with like this beautiful house in the Texas Hill Country and yoga instructor. It's it's really immersive and experience. So yeah, wow. if if you have if you're needing to sort of recharge, that's the thing to do. Very sure. cool. Yeah. Well, let's find out about how you got to sit in here with me, the journey you took. So obviously right. you started with law school. Uh, yep. What made you, you know, bright eyed and and ready to yeah. go into the field? Um, the lack of a better idea, which is, you know, a recipe for success, obviously. <laughs> great reason to encourage. Yeah, you know, I was <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, you know, I had in college, I majored in international studies and French. I, and I talked to a lot of people who kind of followed. It's like, you know what job is that? I don't know. So then you're like, you know, I took a few years off. I taught middle school. I did some random jobs, but I come from a family of lawyers. And so it was always kind of in my awareness as an option. And I always kind of thought, well, if I don't figure something else out, I'll, I'll go to law school. And three years out of college, that's where I was. Mind you, my dad, who was a lawyer, I was like, I, I'm going to go to law school. He's like, can't you think of something more interesting to do? <laughs> I was like, nope, that not right now. Find one right there. <laughs> right, I know. But how many people do you tell really think about going to law school yet? You know, right. I think we all have these visions that it's going to be maybe something it doesn't turn out to be. Um, so, you know, I liked law school. I didn't, I I enjoyed it well enough. Um, sort of, there were aspects of it that I thought were like a little intense, not even like the learning part, just like people just being like, let's mm -hmm. all take it down a notch. <laughs> like, you know, I was a little, uh, like I studied abroad in law school. I did some sort of left of center things right out of the gate. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, 
I got sort of swept up in in the whole world of law school and ended up in a you know big law corporate job out of law school. Um, and you know, I think I ended up in the practice area that I was as likely to enjoy as any. I did sort of corporate transactional stuff, securities. Um, I definitely preferred that to the litigation side. So I felt like, okay, I ended up in the right, like half of the universe at least. Um, and it was fine and I was young and you can sort of work the hours to some extent, but I was just like, I don't, I don't like this. And even if you took away the crazy hours, that was when I was like, I still don't think I want to do this. Cause I thought long and hard about going in house. Cause it's kind of an obvious thing to do, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't, I just don't like this work. It's just doesn't do anything for me. Um, and so I sort of thought about it and looked around and ended up deciding, as I said, I had studied abroad in law school. So all things international were kind of like, you know, familiar to me. And I talked to people doing uh, career services in law schools. And I was like, well, I don't want to do career services, but international programs, that could be cool and marry these ideas. So I went back to school and got a master's in higher education administration, which was entirely unnecessary, but it did get me out the door. Um, so, it, yeah, I think I think also as lawyers, we're like, well, if I I have to have like a degree to do anything else. It's just kind of the mentality because, of course, you do need it for practicing law. Yeah. Um, so I always warn people to think twice about whether or not you really need to go spend more money on another degree. <laughs> yeah, we've beaten into us that, that we yeah. have experts and well, they, we need an expert in that category. And it's like, well, I'm right, not an expert. Right, right. Yeah. And nothing I really learned in that program made me particularly more qualified for the job that, that I ultimately got. And I did get sort of my dream job out of that, which was I was the director of international programs at Fordham Law School. Um, so I worked with students going abroad, but I primarily did a lot of executive uh, training programs for foreign lawyers. And so for a while, it was pretty cool. First of all, it was like super nine to five, like very reasonable hours. It did not have the stress level of practice. So at first, I was just sort of catching my breath and enjoying that and working with people from all over the world. You know, it was cool. Mm-hmm. But after maybe four or five years, it just started to be the same thing over and over and over again. And the thing about higher ed is there's just not a lot of places to go, right? I was, you know, there was maybe one position above me that I would ever be eligible for. And A, I didn't want it. And B, people stay in their jobs until they die in higher ed, <laughs> largely. Mm-hmm. So there's just, I felt very very stifled and a little bored it was sort of like the goldilocks of like it was too much at the law firm and then too little at (laughs) that job that's a good analogy for it yeah (laughs) and you know i started so i and that was actually a much harder transition for me than leaving the law because i thought i'd already gone through this big career change and you know i had found it the answer and when it turned out to be something I felt I needed to leave again, I just was like, now, now what? So I started, you know, throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall. And um, I, I was still started off being very tied to like, okay, where's a logical next step? Mm-hmm. Um, and that at some point led me to apply for a job doing events at a law firm because a lot of my job was sort of event-based. But then I was thinking, I was like, you know, interviewing for this thing. I was like, I don't want this job. I don't want to go back to a law firm. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, talk about a foot in the door. I'm already a lawyer, so they'll love me. Yeah. And, and I was, you did know, you have totally any background, Did you have any background in event planning at all? Yeah. My job at Fordham was, was a lot, okay. you know, we'd have group of groups of lawyers coming in and I'd run sort of educational events and we'd plan dinners. So I did actually, I, okay. I was totally qualified for the job. I just, sure. upon reflection, sort of caught myself and right. said, what exactly is the metric by which you're deciding to move, right? right? This doesn't seem like it's a step forward. But I was like, but then I don't know. And that was when I really had to like disengage from all of the shoulds and the things that seemed like sensible steps and I allowed myself to really go back to the drawing board and say, mm-hmm. you know, what would I do if I had never started down this road in the first place in one way? Um, 
and somehow I ended up on interior design. I had been, you know, we had bought our place and I had been fixing it up and I was, I loved the creative aspect of it. And um, yeah, somehow I gave myself permission to say I was just going to become a, an interior designer. And I started a business on the side when I was still working there in New York. Um, and it was, it was going pretty well. And I was like, that was my plan. I was going to do that full time. Um, meanwhile, just for fun, that was the era that I started my podcast. Um, and I was just doing that as a hobby because a lot of people ask me how I got my job at, at the law school. Cause it kind of sounds cool. Mm -hmm. but I was like, people seem to want answers. I'm curious about what other people are doing for my own purposes. So I just started interviewing lawyers who'd gone on to do other things. And then the pandemic hit and mm -hmm. like all plans went, went out the door. Right. Um, so we left New York and went to Montana where my dad lives. Um, and we thought we'd be there for a month. We were there for seven. My husband's job went remote. And then we were discussing moving to California. So everything was just very up in the air. And it kind of gave me the occasion to reflect on whether or not I wanted to restart my business in California or yeah. insist that we move back to New York. And this is where kind of what you want to do isn't so isolated from all the other factors in your life, right? And I sort of realized there's some parts of this business I don't love that aren't aligned with my strengths, but also it, it grounds you to a physical location a lot, mm -hmm. the design world. I was like, I don't like that. We've like, we've moved, we're moving. I kind of like this freedom of being able to work from, from anywhere. Um, you know, meanwhile, I'd been doing my podcast and people started reaching out to me and I was like, I might, I might be, maybe I'm sitting on a coaching business. <laughs> yeah. And um, I had realized at that point that sort of my true north was, I want to work for myself. I want the freedom. I want the fulfillment. And I'll figure out what the it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, let me try this. And then I totally fell in love with coaching mm -hmm. lawyers, trying to make this transition. And, you know, it's so oddly brought it, brought together everything I had done it's funny how, you know, things work like that. But oh. ever since then, I've been, I've been coaching, coaching lawyers on transitions, basically. So you were basically your first client. Oh like. yeah. Oh yeah. And I, it was not, <laughs> that's why I always joke with my clients. I'm like, here's how to do it. If I would have done it this way, I could have saved myself a lot of time and angst. <laughs> yeah. And it also uh, kind of my just listening thought you're very right brained. You're very creative. Yes. Uh, which is interesting. And I'm sure if there's any transactional lawyers listening to this, you'll be mad at me, but you picked like the opposite side of yeah. the, of the yeah. field, which is very left brain, like procedural. Yeah, know, right that's true. It, for some, but I think it's because I didn't, I wasn't interested in the creativity that came with law right I, like i was like i don't really care about making a creative argument whereas corporate was just a little bit more also i don't i didn't love research and writing which is why i i didn't go into litigation so to me i was sort of just trying to pick between the lesser of two evils in my yeah. mind <laughs> and, Did you, so yeah. when i like i had a very similar beginning to mine i it was 2009 and so getting my my undergrad and and the not the pandemic but the um, recession hit i was like well i'll just go get another degree yeah um and and everyone kept telling me how versatile a jd was it's like well go get a jd like yeah. you can do whatever you want with a jd which I is know, that's a very popular yeah <laughs> like, well, I have a jd I'm like cool well, i mean so i guess it's true but you can also do a lot of things without a JD other than be a lawyer. <laughs> right. And I've yeah. Heard that. yeah. 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 So did did you have it sounds like you had that similar like, well I'll just go get a JD and see what comes of it. And then all of a sudden then you get shuffled into the practice of law and it just wasn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it wasn't that hard of a decision for me to leave practice because yeah. my heart was sort of never in it in the first place. Whereas there are right. not, there are other people who are like I pictured myself being a lawyer my whole life and I had this vision of what it was going to be like. I was kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of ended up here. And how I don't did, like um, it. One other thing I wanted to ask yeah. you about that in, in your journey there was how was it really? Because I think probably people are like, oh man, I'd love to go out and be a realtor or I'd love yeah, to go out yeah. and make ice cream or whatever it is. 
was it demoralizing at all once you got into the next profession and you went, I don't love this either. And you're like, what am I doing? Was there yeah. a level of that? Yeah, it's demoralizing. You're that much older. And also there's this thing that comes up of like lack of self-trust. You're like, you're like is it a me problem? Yeah, like, am, like lack of self-trust and judgment about is it is it me? Am I flaky? Flaky <laughs> and like why can't I like I look around and everyone else a lot of people are just like holding the line doing the thing and they don't seem like constantly in existential crisis the way that I was yeah. um but that's what part of the work is and it's part of what I do with people is you know you can have the strategy about here go this is how you become an xyz but there's a lot of like emotional and mental baggage to get through to sort of let yourself release things that haven't worked reframe it as sort of an evolution rather than a failure um because yeah it's it's a mind game to to keep changing paths you know over and over again well I, I, one of the things that i've in my conversations with people about about changing a perspective of attorney mental health is that mm -hmm. there's an old guard turning over to a yeah. new guard yeah. the old guard's very what you said toe the line do it forever and be happy right. that you're a lawyer and and then the new guard's like no i'd love to enjoy my life and i'd love to enjoy my job and the the if you're not at the office till 11 o'clock and you're not doing it right mentality is right is, i think going away because that's not good yeah and so i think there are a lot of people in the profession feeling you said like i felt like i was the only one having an existential crisis i think yeah. we're all having it the question yeah. Oh, maybe not all of us, but right. a lot of us. Um, the question is like, well, can we finally express that mm, and, yeah. and talk about it? You know, that's my thing. I see a lot of progress on that front because, you know, when I was leaving practice, it was 2010. And I truly, I had like two people that I could look to to be like, oh, they, mm -hmm. they left practice. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now, you know, I just think, I see a lot more resources about people talking about leaving or just sort of mental health within the practice. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's also because I live in this world. And so it's a topic I, you know, see and talk a lot about. Um, but it's my sense that there really is more of a movement and more support and um, a lot more awareness around the issue. Mm -hmm. Now, is it solved? No, <laughs> but I do see progress. So uh, leaving the field is, um, it's just such an interesting concept. And so one of the things we, we show this slide when we present on compassion fatigue and burnout mm -hmm. is, is an ABA journal article from, there's two of them. There's one from 2018 that said that 44% of new associates change firms within the first three years of practice. Yeah. And like that statistic is staggering yeah. For, yeah. for not only new lawyers to be like what am i going into yeah. but also for employers who are now rehiring as opposed to retaining right um, what do you like what do you attribute that to just i think it's well partially i think it's people coming out into the legal market and the legal market not being what you know this magical playground of great jobs that they right. thought they were going to get so maybe ending up in a job they didn't, they weren't excited about in the first place and trying to find something else. Mm -hmm. But on the other end, it's, you know, ending up in a job that's, you know, sort of killing you and working you to the bone and saying, I, you know, I can't, I can't live like this. Maybe if I go somewhere else, it will be better. Right. Um, you know, changing the environment and and listen there is a there's a range of environments some are more toxic than others um but there are like you said it's sort of this old guard that mm -hmm. i don't it doesn't feel like there's this like really pressing sort of awareness that something has to change right it's still kind of like we'll change on the margins but like mm -hmm. you know like the billable hour is a ridiculous yeah. setup, right? Yeah. It serves almost nobody. Right. Yet, you know, it's so entrenched. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are places that go to, you know, fee-based stuff. But, like, 
the meat and potatoes of, of, of firms are, are still doing that. And it's just, it's a recipe for burnout. You have only so many out, you're selling your time. You have only so many hours. It's just built into the system that you're so going to. The lawyer in me like can't help but just argue yes. in my own brain about that statistic is the one yeah. way to be like, clearly young lawyers are grossly underprepared for what the profession actually looks like, right? Yeah, yeah. And that that is ownership that needs to go on the law schools to prepare from a mental standpoint the, yeah. the, the profession. Yeah. But also I look at it like, well, it's positive because maybe young lawyers are coming in like, yeah, I'm not going to put up with that toxic work environment. So yeah, I'm gonna do different. Like it says, they change firms. It doesn't say they leave the profession. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was bad too. But I know. Yeah, they're going somewhere else. Or like maybe they are taking charge of their I, own. Future. I think that this like people coming into the pre profession right now. Like you know, I don't have a study on this, but my sense is that there's at least a larger proportion who have that mentality. Like I was on. I don't know if you know Fishbowl, but it's like sort of a social media yeah. um, app. And it's anonymous and there's there's sort of topics around law so people yeah. speak more openly um and i saw one the other day that was talking about the you know the person was maybe a first or second year associate and she was i don't, I don't know they were going to um <clears throat> they wanted to work 70 75 percent time for 75 percent pay and her, the question wasn't like can i do this should i do this it was more like you know, how would you, how would I pitch this? Like, and it's not that I, I'm not having kids. I don't have some medical emergency. I don't have a caretaking situation. I just, I don't want to work that much. <laughs> and a number of people chimed in being like, yeah, I did that. You know, my approach was X, my approach was Z. And I, I just thought this is great that people that junior mm -hmm. are sort of standing up for themselves and advocating for themselves for what they need. And I don't, you know, I, again, this is sort of, anecdotal rather than you know necessarily indicative of a widespread thing yeah. but i do think in my day like never <laughs> yeah. never i think i think Gen z is not having it yeah i i definitely agree with <laughs> yeah. you yeah and you mentioned at the beginning that you think it's like a hierarchical issue within yeah. the, and i think that stat right there if you want to really make this clear to leadership that yeah. you are going to continue to retrain Right. um instead of just grow your current team that's the stat to, to lead change right is that right or right. you're going to lose 44 percent of your people right you're I, to change i think that also reflects a structural problem with the law which is that people are trained to be lawyers not managers so right. you have all these people with no management skill running things and guess what it's not well managed yeah. that's a great that's a great point you know yeah yeah you're, you're just lawyers that keep moving up the rung and have more and more managerial responsibility and they're like i want to practice law so right right so the Whereas, other like i think i think in a in a more sophisticated managerial space that stat would actually impact how how they're being managed right, right. and i i'm not sure that the current you know, I'm speaking in large swaths here. I'm sure yeah. there are exceptions to this, but I think that it's not it's not largely being responded to and in it's not causing the cause and effect that you would think you would expect to see. Right. Yeah. But the other stat, um, which I think is worse, um, is from 2014. It says that lawyers who passed the bar in 2000, nine percent were not practicing law within three years. And 24% were not practicing after 12 years. And yeah. so as kind of the, the resident, uh, you know, your, your podcast is called the yeah. is that sound <laughs> yeah. about right with the lawyers that you're talking to? Like, and what is it that the three, three year or the 12 year, it's like two different levels of. Right. I, so I think the three year, are the people that were got in and just were like, whoa, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> this not is for me. not for me. Yep. I tend to work much more with that 12 year mark. Okay. Um, people who have probably switched environments a couple of times, gone from big law to a smaller firm or a smaller firm to a mid-sized firm or in-house, you know, mm -hmm. they've they've tried to solve their dissatisfaction with a change of environment yep. and come to the conclusion that either they never wanted to practice law or there is no environment in which 
practicing law is acceptable to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's always been some percentage of lawyers who don't practice. I think that's sort of, I think that's a little bit, you know, you, people go into politics or, you know, there's some natural funnels that take lawyers out of practice for reasons that are not, I can't live like this anymore. <laughs> but I think a large percentage of that percentage is people who just, it's just, they're not willing to make the trade-offs in their life anymore. And 12 years just as a level of being like, I, I like, like you said, I'm not going to yeah. the line and just do it. I got it's, and I've tried and I've tried and I'm not, I can't get out. Right. Right. Um, so not, and I don't want like, I don't want to like to be a, all statistics here, but I just think they're really interesting <laughs> yeah. in what you do. Um, and the other one is, so they, they asked, um, lawyers to satisfy to rate their satisfaction with becoming a lawyer mm -hmm. and on the scale of one to seven which is kind of a weird scale the yeah. average was 3.9 so that's it's a little higher than half but so so to say like i'm the only one having an existential crisis and feeling like i got to get out i don't right. think you were i think people were just really good at hiding it because they're afraid of the perception of being like absolutely they're not sterling you know what i mean they're not like right well, yeah. there's this idea that like oh i can't cut it and so that reflects something about me rather than right. that reflects something about the structural problems mm -hmm. um and i think more and more we are getting a, a more aware and i think having these conversations but i'm still i'm still shocked you know people will connect with me on linkedin and be like oh my gosh i you know I'm, it was so nice to hear you, you know, see you write that or hear your podcast. Mm -hmm. Like I felt so alone. Like even today, I think it, you know, I talk about this stuff all the time. So I think everybody is aware of it, but even yeah. now I still think that's, um, yeah, it's still, people are feeling isolated in their experiences. Yeah. We, we did a lecture, um, in Denver at, uh, and, and one of the people came up after us and was like, you gave words to feelings that I've had for, yeah for my whole career. It's like yeah. you know, there are actual terms for this. And like, we do it all the time and talk about it constantly. Right, um, right. People are like, well, I didn't know there were actual like concepts. It's just feelings I've had of like ominous, you know, right. Right. Within the profession. So yeah, I, I think, and, and for anyone that doesn't follow you, you're not like some, like, you're not out there poaching lawyers. You're, you're, you're no. very hey. positive. <laughs> and like, yeah. I think a lot of what you, you, write about and speak about is um is more just like finding what you want even if that is within the profession so it's not like you're yeah. just like no you know. you know it's funny this um <laughs> i some guy i went to law school with who is you know was a bit of a gunner at the time anyway he you know he i guess sees myself on linkedin and felt the need to comment once that you know he's like you know your posts are interesting but you should really talk about all the happy lawyers and I was like, really? well, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> uh, I can do whatever I want. And I, if you want to talk about that, talk about that. That's not, a my, very that's, different podcast. that's not my mission, right? right? And so you can have whatever mission you want. And I, this is my mission. My mission is to make sure that all these people out there who feel isolated, because also the fact that so many people are resonating with the, these conversations should tell you as a partner at a law firm, yes. oh, maybe I should also think about this from, right. from my angle. But so anyway, that rant aside. The happy <laughs> lawyers are well represented. They tend to talk, you know, on their own behalf. It's the people right. that are feeling like they're not represented. Like, Yeah. Well, and I know I a lot of my friends from law school are still practicing attorneys yeah. and they've really found their place and they, and they enjoy it, including uh, some who are like partners at big law firms, you know, yep. but there are enough, you know, I'm not out here convincing people they're unhappy. People know they're unhappy. Right. <laughs> you and know? you're just shedding light on it. And, right. And, but know. I do my philosophy of life and my philosophy of work is so I don't, you know, I don't need to dig in that you're unhappy. People are well aware that they're unhappy. I'm just trying to shine a light on like hope. <laughs> like there are options. There is hope um, because it can feel like that's not true when mm -hmm. you're deep in this and isolated and feeling trapped by your loans and all of that, you know? So I sort of consider my mission to be a beacon of hope in this, not like 
a basher yeah. of anything. And I don't think you're, I, you know, his yeah. point of like, why don't you spend more time talking about the happy lawyers? I don't think you're spending time talking about the unhappy lawyers. You're just giving someone yeah. a different avenue to explore something different. They can yeah. Be, yeah. Maybe they just don't like their job. So yeah. That's sort- yeah. I mean, I spent zero seconds worrying about that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, kind of trying to tie in what you do with what I'm, talking about a lot is is stress right Mm, and i think that that pushes people but i think that there's a misunderstanding about what stress looks like when it manifests itself Mm, and where from the profession stress comes from yeah love you know for you to talk about that in the sense that so we've basically distilled it to like what we call the infinity symbol which is like an eight on its side Mm -hmm. and it always loops it never starts it never stops yeah and it's kind of on the one side of it, it is organizational trauma or, or stress, organizational yeah. stress, which is just the grind of the profession, the yeah. minutia in the office, the voicemails, the tasks, the interweaving of staff members. And then mm-hmm. there's the operational stress, which is the traumatic material, the really, really heavy stuff that we do, the constant adversarial nature of the business yeah and yeah. That they don't one doesn't cause the other they like feed into each other yeah and so yeah. i'm interested to know a did you does that resonate with you from your practice and b when you're talking with your your clients that are coaching mm-hmm. them is this something you're hearing from them like is yeah that, well, they can't really quite put their finger on why they're stressed but it's like it's coming from all sides yeah what it is it's definitely coming from all sides. Certainly the organizational one um, is very common, just mm-hmm. goes back to like the structural issues with the practice of law. I think the other one it varies a little bit depending on your your practice area, right? Mm-hmm. Like just for me personally, I I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of like compassion going on with like helping public companies issue new debt <laughs> well when i when i give a list of of areas i, I don't be offended but transactional yeah. law is one i'm like maybe they don't you know like maybe right right so if i'm being honest that wasn't but what i will say which i think is kind of a corollary and this probably applies to different um different areas is there's like a values mismatch right like why am i spending my like this kind of yeah, this like stress that comes from feeling like, is this the work I, I should be doing in the world, right? Um, so it's not exactly the same, but it, it is another, I think, sort of slight corollary to the compassion fatigue. It's like is, the lack of compassion. <laughs> that is really interesting that you said the values don't correlate because my next thing that I have right yeah. here is a list of organizational stressors. Mm-hmm. And they're anywhere from like lack of control in the work environment, lack of empowerment to make decisions, yeah, or communication, and so on. It goes on, but yeah. I put four asterisks next to this one because I wanted to talk to you about it. And it's yeah. values conflict between employee core needs, job duties, and values of the organization. That's like, yeah, you just nailed it. Yeah, I, yeah. That's so. That's the most thing, right? Like I'm putting all my energy in this, and I'm right. believing it. Or yeah, something like that. And I think there there are value misalignments both with the actual work and with your life values, right? Like if your value is family and you never see them, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Or if your value is, you know, <laughs> I don't know, a little bit more, um, say you're more on the socialist side of things and you're like just building up big company wealth, you know, like, so that that's sort of more tied to the actual work you're doing versus kind of the structural environmental sort of toxicity of a lot of legal environments. And I think, um, I think that really grates at people. I think it starts as just the actual stress of the environment. And then little by little, I think the real existential piece comes in from the the values mismatch. Well, your website does say that life is too short for soul sucking work is what it says. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And that's what I believe, you know, like, don't even get me started. I just sort of think, you know, law is not the only broken structure in our Absolutely, economy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, so tell me, I want to know about like the coaching process. So let's say mm-hmm. 
like first of all who's your your tar your target client like yeah who comes to you and you're like perfect this is exactly yeah. who i should be talking to it's a lawyer who's you know been working for probably 10 plus years doesn't have to be but that is sort of tends to be who comes to me and they they know they're not happy they know they want out and they've also come to the point where all these kind of like band-aid steps aren't what they want anymore mm -hmm. and they have kind of you know it's not a good thing but they're kind of like at the bottom right they've like bottomed out they're having this existential crisis and asking themselves like what do i want the next chapter of my life to be i want it I want more from my life and from the thing that I'm doing all these hours a day. And so when you get to that point where you're like, you're both kind of low because you're like, I don't see forward, but you're also like hopeful because it means like, let's open the, the possibility list like wide open for right. you. Um, so a lot of the people um, that I work with are closet creatives and real like empathetic people who have this desire to create something. So I work with a lot of people that want to start a business, but there's a lot of fear and uncertainty to be worked around. Um, and it's also people, it tends to be people for that same reason that if you did your values list, freedom and autonomy are very high up there for you. Yeah. That there's this sense that like, you want to do it a little differently, that you want to be in charge of yourself and your life and how you spend your days. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the profile of the people I work with. And then, so is there a particular type of law that you see the most? Is it, you know, the, the, the personal injury well, lawyer, is it the transactional person is bored to death? You know, it's, it's really a range. It's a range. You know, I, I thought when I started doing this, I'd get a whole bunch of like, fourth year associates from big law who because simply because that was my profile when I left practice. Yeah. Um, but what I've I've had people from, you know, small sort of I don't know if I've actually had insurance defense, but, you know, small sort of practice areas um, straight up through like, you know, New York, big law and everything in between, you know, I think I've had people who've left the practice, gone back to the practice, and now want to leave it again. Um, so, yeah, I, I get a pretty wide range of of people represented. Hmm. That's know. interesting because I was wondering if there's a, you know, because obviously seeking assistance and finding that next thing, um, I didn't know if there was a type of kind of brain process that you see over and over again where they're like, I need, I need to get out, but I'm scared to death to do it by myself so i need someone to help me yeah i may know but i need help to do that I, I didn't... that's yes that's definitely true i just don't think it's it doesn't there's not like a heavy focus on any given uh practice area like equal yeah. opportunity lawyers are scared of making a big change <laughs> you know which i understand so what does that process look like let's say um, hypothetically, you know, a lawyer's ready to go, they reach out to you, mm -hmm. How, where do you start? So I start by asking them where they are and where they want to go. Like, okay. again, like almost like if I could wave a magic wand. Right. And even that's hard for a lot of people because you have to yeah. be like, don't worry about the how. I know your brain wants to go to the how, but like, right. you know, to pull them out of sort of, we live with a world with like blinders on, right? So it's like trying to take the blinders off and really connect to what you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause I think we start, we, we think we're asking ourselves that, but we're asking it in a very like constrained way. So I try to help people say like, dream big. Like, what do you want your life to look like as a starting point? Right. And then, um, then sort of think about, okay, like if that's what you want, like, let's think about how you get there. And part of that is doing what I call sort of foundational work with people. Cause sometimes people aren't, they're not sure. Like I have, this is pretty common that people are like, I want the freedom. I want the flexibility. I, I, I want out of this whole system, but I don't know what, I don't know. Like, I don't have a passion. I'm not sure what it is. 
So part of the work is helping people see themselves through a new lens and reconnect to the things that matter to them. So that's, you know, understanding what their interests are, but their values, their strengths, and the vision that they want for their life. And as you start exploring that, people start to settle in to sort of put the pieces of the puzzle together. And then we like run experiments like, okay, from here, like what sounds cool? Let's well, look what, into it. That's what Matt, is it like, <laughs> yeah. if someone comes to you and they're like, I, I, I want freedom, I want whatever they like, these yeah. big, broad, vague things yeah. are, I have no idea what it is, I have no passions. Is it like peeling an onion and the more you talk, the more they realize they actually do? Yes. Okay. I also I also think it's like I it's my belief that sort of somewhere in the back of your head you have some idea. You're right. just probably telling yourself it's not realistic and you've like ruled it out already. So part of it is to peel the onion so that that part can actually be expressed. Right. And um you know and some people are like multi-passionate, you know, like I <clears throat> I'm working with someone right now who was an actress before she went into law. Yeah. And now she's re-exploring acting, particularly voice acting, but yeah. she's also really passionate about being a vegetarian. So she's pursuing this potential coaching around vegetarianism, which are like totally, but it's like, it's a playground to sort of, then you take these ideas and you compare them back to the foundations that you right. sort of like became aware of for yourself. And that way, it gives you a little bit more clarity and confidence that as you're jumping into this kind of scary new place, that you're doing it mindfully, that you're doing it with intention, that you've vetted your idea to some extent in a way, as much as you can. People, of course, want like 100% certainty that this is the right path, which does not exist. <laughs> I was going to say, I have but, to imagine the lawyer yeah. brain, like, you're like, well, tell me what that passion is. Well, I would love to open a farmer's market, and yeah. but I know I can't. And here's why. Here's the nine reasons why I can't do that. So yes, you don't tell me I know. yeah, exactly. I've so had that I'll, conversation a hundred times in their yeah. head on the way to work. Exactly. So it's it's um, a lot of the work is also taking you know having that conversation and saying and questioning it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, why not? Is right. do you know that to be true? Right. Is there is there some information that might that you could seek out? Could you look for evidence of the possible rather than the assumption that it's impossible? And some things are, you know, some things don't pan out for whatever reason. And so, you know, it's not just simply like wish on a star and that is yours, you know, like th there's some practicality around it, of course. But I think that our ability to sort of like see and dream has been kind of shut down. So it's, it's reconnecting to that for people. Yeah. I mean, I, I can say in my own experience that there's a different, my thought process is different than it was before law school. And I don't yeah. know if that's, I'm assuming there's some sort of intentional procedural thought way you need to be thinking like, Right. I, it's our job. Well, our job is whatever. literally to spot issues. <laughs> issue rule, you know, assessment or whatever, right. analysis and conclusion. And that's how you yeah. think about everything. And so when you're asking people to break out of that, what is your dream? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. don't worry about how to get there. Just what is it? I have to mention right. that is a very difficult thing for a lot of lawyers to do. Yeah, it is hard. But that's why I kind of try and break it down into these pieces, because also for, I think passion is a very unhelpful term in a lot of ways because yeah. you're like, it just makes it seem like it's like such a big high-minded thing. And yeah. my definition of passion is just working in your natural strengths in conjunction with your values in a context that interests you. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 I feel like when you look at it like that, it's not quite so daunting but you yeah. do have to be willing to look again at like your interests and your values and your strengths and and brainstorm around where those overlap yeah it's almost like if would you do it if you didn't have to i guess would be you know like yeah that's another yeah that's like, like another way to frame it like this podcast is very interesting to me to be doing right. and talking to people yeah i don't have to do it but i want to do it so yeah does that exactly mean the threshold of yeah, yeah. It's and there's something about following. 
Yeah, of, it's like following your tattoo of the thing on your, you know, like it doesn't right, be right. crazy passion. It's just something you would do if you didn't have to. Right. And I think when you allow yourself to go down that road to explore, I'm a real believer that being in action opens your eyes to new opportunities. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, I too started my podcast purely as a hobby. I had right. like no intention for it to be a business and it took a number of years and then it became this, like the core thing that shifted me into what I'm doing now. Yeah. And you don't always know, but the thing is to follow your curiosity. You know, it, it, it may not happen overnight. It usually doesn't. <laughs> yep. um, but just to start to allow your brain to go there. So you get through the brainstorming process, which I would assume, mm -hmm. depending on the person and what yeah. kind of a formed idea they have could be yeah. potentially longer for some than it is yeah. for others. What yep. do you actually stay on and, and help them see that through? How does that, how does the next phase like, okay, I figured it out. Now what? Yeah. So, you know, everyone's different. So some people spend the time, the whole time figuring out the mm -hmm. idea, but like you said, some people kind of come in with a good idea or a totally like formed idea. Mm -hmm. And then it's, the reason they would come to me is that something is getting in the way of them executing that plan, mm -hmm. right? And it's some combination of fear and lack of clarity about what the steps are. And so that's what we would work on is, is sort of, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a strategy expert in every kind of business in the world that exists, but what mm -hmm. I am an expert in is asking the right questions getting the right info, knowing where to go to gather information and then helping people assess, okay, do I go left or right here? What's the next step? What I have found to be true is that people get deeply overwhelmed mm -hmm. thinking that they have to know steps one through a hundred all at once before they even like make a move. Mm -hmm. And the truth is like, you just got to know step one and then step two and then step three. So part of it is just breaking things down so that you don't get paralyzed and overwhelmed. So a couple of things kind of spring in off my, from that thought. The first one is if you're kind of like, that's of the assumption that you're still employed and you're still working is like, just take mm -hmm. step one and we'll get to step two when you're able to get there. Yeah. My first question is, have you had clients come to you and be like, I quit my job and I'm um, free fall and help me out. Is that happening? I have, I've had, I have had people quit their jobs while working with me, but typically it's a situation in which like they still aren't like, like I need to have this work. Cause my, my advice is don't do that. If it's going right. to stress it, like if, if you have the means to do that, great. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, like we need to either find a way for you to be able to tolerate where you are or find a bridge job. Right. Right. And the thing about having a bridge job is um, it's a lot easier. It's just like, it's just a job. It doesn't need to make your heart sing. Right. <laughs> and even looking at your current position that you may hate, mm -hmm. if you reframe it as this is the thing funding my business, mm -hmm. you have a very different, sort of relationship with it you do yeah you kind of can separate a little more than you could if you're like right i have to force myself to love this because it's what i'm doing you're like no no i love that thing right this right exactly like this yeah. is just a means to an end and also, so yeah oh, sorry, go ahead. i was just gonna say how you structure that differs based on people's differing um situations but you know like I even mentioned, I've had people go part-time in this, in their current jobs mm -hmm. to create more, you know, and you can turn these dials a little, there are a lot of ways of creatively figuring out how to transition gradually rather than, you know, jumping off a cliff and mm -hmm. hoping that you can create a parachute before you. <laughs> so, and, and going back to your point about like, I don't, you know, you're not an expert on all things yeah. and people come to you and yeah. you're not like, yeah. some sort of a, a guru right i you know i assume that your job is not to figure that out for them it's to help them figure it out for themselves yeah and so that would prevent you from having to like someone's like i want to open a farm to table you know 
brunch restaurant or right. like, well, let me go buy a book on that and figure out how to do that for you. It's like, okay, right. what do we do? What do we do for that? That's right. Yeah. So sort of two things on that are, are like, you know, there's, there's what I would call pure coaching, which is really like guiding someone mm -hmm. through their own experience and sort of supporting them. And then there's like consulting or a strategist, right. which is sort of a separate category. Yep. Um, and I'm sort of a strategist on the like brainstorming thing. Like mm -hmm. there's like more of a structure and a guidance around there, but then it is a lot more coaching. And this is why like for some people it's like, listen, if you're like, I want to do, I had this woman come to me and she's like, I, I want to be an interior designer. I know it like this, that, and the other thing. I was like, if what you just need is pure strategy, you should go find a pure strategy program, right? right. Why people come to me is that there's, there's not clarity, there's mm -hmm. not certainty, there's a lot of fear, and they need help moving forward right if you so if you just have your idea and want like good to execute you know right. that's sort of one category but you know it's so much more of what i do is helping rewire your brain <laughs> to even allow yourself to go down this road mm -hmm. <laughs> like like if you don't do that you'll you'll never get there right like you can have all the strategy in the world but if you're not going to execute it it's not worth anything. I'm going to assume, I mean, obviously I don't sit in on your, your, your meetings with your clients. Yeah, but yeah. When I look at this list of, so compassion fatigue, which is a combination, yeah. it's a combination of burnout and secondary trauma. You're dealing with yeah. medical yeah. material, you're getting burnout, and then all of a sudden you you start having persistent intrusion of work, thoughts, yeah. clients. You start to blur the lines of your reality and theirs. Uh, unexplained emotional changes, rage, frustration, yeah. uh, hyperarousal, disillusionment, self-medication, the list goes on and on, and they're really yeah. they're really dangerous. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess that when people come to you, maybe in a bit of a fight-or-flight state, yeah. just talking to you about the fact that there's, right. a, there's an alternative and you're not crazy for thinking that helps. Yeah. Would, you, yeah. would you agree with that? Like, yeah, absolutely. Notice a difference in their emotion just in that? Yes. And part of what I do, like, you know, again, it varies depending on people's needs, but like there's one client I've been working with recently and it's, um, it may not be showing up quite that intensely, but it's like, I have no time. There's no time to even think about solving this problem because right. you're in overwhelm and you're stressed. So mm -hmm. it's also like, how can we make you feel safer in this moment? How can we create not just time in the calendar, but like energetic time mm -hmm. so that you don't that so that you have this ability to carve out, you know, time to focus on on this thing that you want. So, you know, a lot part of what I do can sometimes be like triage even before getting yeah. into it. And there probably is a level where people are so stuck in that like fight or flight ensuring safety there's no yeah. you're right there's no way for that brain to switch over to some creative calm right state of, of creation they're right. trying to survive and and so yeah i'm sure there are times where you're like yeah we we're, we can't get there yet you got to get you right know, get to a right. more um, yeah spot. yeah and and there are times when like you know sometimes that's for a different professional and then sometimes it's within yeah, my range um yeah exactly but it's you know i think it's very hard to to come out of that space of like but if you're going to work with me you probably at least open you're least willing to consider that there's a solution right because i yeah. think sometimes people are so and I, I, my heart goes out to them, but it's like, you're just so deep in that, that you mm -hmm. can't, you, you can't quite see the road out yet. Yeah. How good is it when you see the success stories? I mean, it's so fun. Go? It's so fun. Like I have clients out there running businesses like bigger than mine. It's just so Amazing. cool. Yeah. You know, it's Great. one of the things I, I really encourage my clients and my listeners and anyone to do is, is, if you're just out there and like feeling a little lost and you're not even sure, it's like, just go out and look for evidence of the possible, right? That's what my podcast was meant to be. And, um, 
you know, I find that if you're like, I, could I do this? Like Google, like lawyer turned whatever. And you probably find a story, you know, it's just like there, there's, I think a lot of hope. And that's yeah. my, yeah, my you, hope you, for people. You bring hope and possibility yeah. too. Yeah. Some people that maybe feel like they're, they're, they're stuck in this because it's the, the route they went and this is the yeah. highway they're, they're journeying on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate you, you chatting with me. Yeah, this is fun. I, this is, I'll talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> awesome that, that you are an outlet for people to do that. And, and I highly recommend you keep doing it. Um, and I think you're going to find, and you probably could tell me better than me to tell you, but <laughs> the, the profession's already embracing it more than it probably ever has. Yeah. Um, so you're probably busier than ever. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I mean, for better or worse, it's a constant source of clients. <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so check out your podcast. It's the lawyer Lawyers. escape uh, lawyers escape pod with an apostrophe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your website. What's your your website is megansmiley.com. Megansmiley.com. Awesome. And I'll yeah. I'll put a link for all that in the, when we when we post this. But yeah, Megan, I really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, no, my my 